Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to the Vet Method podcast, where we bring team training concepts to practices who want to grow revenues through leveraging a high-performance team. My name is Sanjay Mangabai, and I'm based in Salisbury in the southwest of England. And today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Justin Phillips. Hi, Justin. Welcome. Hello there. So, Justin, whereabouts are you? So I'm usually based in uh, Leeds in West Yorkshire, but today I'm um, joining you from a, a new practice in Warrington, which opened six months ago. Okay. Uh, so just popped over here today to see how the guy's getting on. Ah, oh, fantastic. It's nice for me to have somebody pretty local on the podcast. So in my in a similar time zone. So this is a this is a treat for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit about Justin. He is a veterinary practice marketing and business consultant and provides proven industry-leading marketing and veterinary business advice to vet practices around the world. Justin loves making things better, growing practices, creating great workplaces, and extending pets' lives by removing barriers to care. He is passionate about coaching and inspiring others to raise the standard of marketing across the veterinary industry. I guess you could say that Justin is a marketing nerd and is also a crazy cat guy. So I was intrigued by the crazy cats, Justin. What's that about? So I am a pet parent to Poppy Gabriella. My, mm-hmm. uh, she's a 10-year-old Maine Coon. And actually, she's the reason I got into the veterinary sphere in the first place. So I, okay. I spent eight years of my marketing career in the office supplies industry, trying to get people to buy pens and pencils, mm-hmm. printer cartridges, and then one day I took Poppy, Poppy Gabriella, to my local practice. I was waiting for her to sit in reception, waiting for her to have her vaccinations and overheard mm-hmm. the receptionist saying they're looking for someone in marketing. I remember mm-hmm. thinking that's weird because vets don't do, they don't do marketing. Yeah. And we spoke and by the end of the visit, Poppy had had her vaccinations and I'd got myself a job as marketing manager for my local practice, which was White Cross Vets. So I'm coming at this without a veterinary background. And I think the strength I bring is I see the world through the eyes of being Poppy Gabriella's dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at practices thinking, would I want to take my fur baby there? So yeah, that, that's the angle I bring to it. And that's a very unique perspective, Justin. So you owe a lot uh, to Gabriella, a nice fancy name too. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, I think, yeah, Poppy Gabriella. I actually didn't know that was her full name until I took her into the vets and discovered that's how my wife had registered her. And you can imagine how, you know, getting called into the consult room. Mm-hmm. Uh, can Poppy Gabriella Phillips come in? Um, <laughs> that's the opener. Fantastic. That's a good story. So the title of the podcast is Take Your Pet Health Plan to the Next Level. And we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. So, Justin, let's start with question number one. Who is your ideal client? So I, my niche, I help veterinary practices in the UK with their marketing and with their business. And so those practices are usually independent. If they've got an in-house marketing team, mm-hmm. um, I come in and I can coach and mentor those in-house marketing people to be the best they can be and to help them help them achieve more. Mm-hmm. If they don't have an in-house marketing team, I kind of come in as their non-exec marketing director, mm-hmm. talk through their problems and I propose solutions. And then we go and get those things done, either the practice doing them or I do them for them. Okay. So basically any practice that 
has a marketing need, or at least any practice that recognizes that they have a marketing need, because we all have a marketing <laughs> need. But those days where you thought that practice success followed medical excellence or medical success are kind of behind us. And marketing plays a key role in the success of any practice. So um, yeah, fantastic, Justin. Perfect. That leads us nicely into question number two. What's the biggest problem your clients face and how do you help them solve it? Good question. So historically, marketing was, and I think back in my time, marketing since 2012, I've been in the vet industry, marketing, 50% of my time was spent on customer acquisition, driving footfall into practice. Now, COVID has absolutely changed that landscape. Now, practices are oversubscribed. They are inundated with requests from clients, from work. And so actually, the role has changed slightly. So it's more of a focus on membership through pet health plans. Uh It's there's a massive focus on fixing the phones. So historically, every interaction with a practice was via the phone. Actually, the the mandate now is how do we get your website to do more stuff? So book an appointment, order a repeat prescription, join a pet health plan, that kind of thing. So fixing, so this digital journey, taking practices on. And I guess the final piece would be people because people are the the rate limiting factor at the moment. Clients are in abundance. Uh Uh, Veterinary professionals um, are the rate limiting factor. So doing a lot of work with practices on how to, engage and retain their team uh, and help them be the best they can be Uh and also to tell a better story in terms of to recruit new new medical professionals to join Uh the practice you know long gone are the days when a job ad for a vet's practice can say we pay pension offer a one-hour paid lunch break and copious amounts of biscuits yeah that is and we could put an advert in vet times and people would would respond to that those times have changed. And as a practice, as practices, we've got to tell more compelling stories. And it's now about what we as a practice can do for the candidate rather than what the candidate can do for the practice. Absolutely. That is so true, Justin. So we're not just marketing to try and get more clients. You know, as you say, the landscape has changed and it's more about maybe, I don't know if it's correct to say this, but maybe about getting more from the clients we presently have and stopping the clients that we have, I think you said, from leaving, okay? Creating some sort of bonding and loyalty. And an important point you mentioned was also that it's, you know, especially now, maybe even more so, it's important to market to potential candidates to work in your practice because they are checking you out, whether you know it or not, and they're looking to see if your story or at least the impression of the story that you have on your website is something that relates to them. And are you a practice, you know, worth coming initially for an interview for, and are you going to resonate with them? Yeah, really important distinctions. Thank you, Justin. That's, that's great. Question number three, what are the typical symptoms that people experience with that problem? You know, they're kind of pain points. So on this, I was thinking around, they know they have a problem. They, uh-huh. they know the phones blew up during COVID. They know they've been searching for that elusive vet or veterinary nurse uh-huh. for the last six months and haven't found that person. So what's the problem? They they maybe do what they've always done, so they get what they've always got. So uh-huh. they carry on doing those things. But I think most practices are just so busy 
getting through the day-to-day and surviving, you know, if you want to use the cliche, they're so busy working in the business, they don't have time to work on the business. Uh So they're so busy surviving, they don't have time to step back. And the luxury, if you like, to spend the time telling an authentic story in terms of recruitment Uh or researching, you know, which technologies out there will help them with a specific problem. Uh And look, these these things are hard to solve. So it's absolutely nobody's fault. I spent the last 10 years thinking about veterinary practice and the business side day and night thinking, how could, how could this work better? How could Uh we change this up? And through a lot of trial and error, I've now got to figure out more things that work than don't work. And so for a, you know, for a practice manager or practice owner to have to work those out whilst dealing with all the other things that are going on, that is a really hard ask. Uh Um, And with all the best intentions, you know, we want to do the right thing. We want to we want to grow and support our team. And then the blood machine breaks, a client leaves without paying, and someone has to, someone gets pinged by, by the NHS app. Remember that thing? Yeah. And you've got a team absence. And all of a sudden, all those those things you wanted to do go yeah. on a back burner and you go into survival mode. So yeah, it's it's finding the time to solve those problems. No, yeah, absolutely. So from what I can want to understand, time is a major pain point. And it's because of the hectic busyness that practices are experiencing, the unrelenting distractions that crop up during the day. Like you say, you know, no time to work on the business because you're so busy working in it. And if they do implement things, they randomly implement anything. So yeah, those are yeah, those would be pain points that I certainly experienced in my practice for a long time, unfortunately. <laughs> and look, it's it's human nature, isn't it? We all experience that in, in real life, don't, don't, yeah. don't we? I always want to do more running and more exercise and spend more time with our family, but things get in the way. Absolutely. Uh, it's just so easy. It's just the nature of the nature of life. Yeah. Thank you for that, Justin. So let's go on to question number four. What are the common mistakes that people make when trying to solve that problem? You know, the things they thought might work, the things they try but fail. Okay. So yeah, the first, I guess, challenge is trying to pinpoint exactly what is the the cause of that problem. Uh And I think then the risk is they try and solve all those problems themselves and try and take on too much and and overload their already busy schedule. So I would encourage people to look outside of their practice, look outside their bubble and see who they can call on to, to help them with that, you know, find practices that are doing things well get mm-hmm. in touch with them, mm-hmm. ask them how they did it and so on, and reach out to, to industry experts, go on to, there's a huge volume of free resources out there in terms of webinars, podcasts mm-hmm. like this, listen to those people and, and expand expand your knowledge. So yeah, rather than try and try and do it all yourself, how can you augment your skills and your services that your practice has to solve those problems faster? Okay. Yeah. You make an interesting point there, um, Justin, in that, Maybe, you know, vets and nurses should focus on what they're really good at, what what their genius is, which is making pets better. And then look for outside help, someone like yourself who can help with the bits that are important, but they just don't have the time and maybe the know-how or even sometimes the resources to do well. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a really important point. Thank you, Justin. Right. So question number five, what is one valuable free action that someone listening to this can implement that will help them solve the problems we've just covered? 
One free nice question. <laughs> Just the one. So what I would say, and we kind of started talking about this at the top of the, the podcast, is uh-huh. to look at your business and experience your practice through the eyes of a pet owner. Uh-huh. So we're all too so used to going into our practice every single day. We park in the parking space behind the practice. We walk in the back door of the practice. We go through the prep area uh-huh. and we start consulting. And when it's time to leave the practice end of the day, again, we leave the practice via the back door and out we go off and go home. And we've been doing that for years. So we've become blind to how our practice looks and how it's operating. So the challenge is to all practice managers and front of house team members and owners is to go through that journey as the Gabriella's dad. And so mystery shop your practice. What's it like on how are you performing on the phone? How are you coming across? What is the experience like? How does the website function if you're uh-huh. trying to perform those key tasks of booking a point, ordering a repeat prescription and uh-huh. finding somewhere you trust? Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's kind of taking that step back and looking at your business through neutralized. And that exercise will highlight a lot of pain points. Absolutely. And that's, a, again, a valuable thing to do is to take the time and try and see it from the client's point of view, even the pet's point of view, who knows, and look at that customer journey that you talked about and see where there are any um, maybe problems or bottlenecks that you can solve. Okay, good. Fantastic. So let's go to question number six. Only two questions to go, Justin. (laughs) What is one valuable free resource that you can direct people to that will help them with that problem? So I'm a self-confessed veterinary marketing geek. I just I love learning about how it all works. And I, I absolutely get a buzz off sharing my knowledge and helping people to grow. Um, so my, my mission is to pack out my website with as much knowledge, advice, case studies, examples of stuff I've done and sharing how it works and the thinking right. behind how it works. So at the moment I'm on a mission to create 100 pages of content on my website to talk about everything from PR to signage to, to pet health plans and, and everything in right. between. And so specifically in the last couple of weeks added a series of articles on how practices can grow their pet health plan try to share the logic behind why pet health plans are good why they work Uh and taking people through the steps on there so if you go to your our listeners go to practice made perfect perfect spelled p-double-r-f-e-c-t can't resist a pun.com they will find their wealth of knowledge and i'll keep adding to that as as and when i um, I get time to write up these articles because it is about sharing sharing our knowledge so we can all improve i think the one thing i'd ask in return of anyone that does go on there Uh is if it helps you please reach out and tell me please share examples of what you've done because that would be really cool to know that Uh this knowledge that we've acquired as an industry has been implemented and is helping people in practice right now yeah, no, fantastic. And we'll include a link. Sorry, we'll include that link in the resources section of the podcast, Justin. And finally, Justin, question number seven. What's the one thing that I should have asked you that I didn't? I think, you know, we focus of this talk is about health plans. Yeah. And I guess the golden question is, what percentage of clients can a practice realistically move on to a pet health plan that's the the golden number isn't it and where is the limit and i think in practice we have a glass ceiling which is based on our own experiences in that particular practice and so you know can i practice max out at 20 percent of clients on a pet health plan can it max Mm -hmm. out at 40 i've been to talks that talk about practices with 60 percent penetration on a pet health plan 
Mm-hmm. I've been across to the States and seen Banfield and they're looking at 60% of pets on a health plan. Mm-hmm. And so what is that? What is the, the optimum or the maximum number of pets on the health plan? Mm-hmm. And I think, so if that's the question, the answer is, I don't know, but I'm intrigued to see how far we can take this by removing barriers to care, by removing our own preconceptions around what is that glass ceiling mm-hmm. and seeing how far we can we can push it. I think 70% is achievable. If we look at each element of the pet health plan from how we join to how we retain people to the bundle of products and services in a health plan, I don't see there's any reason we can't surpass 70%. Um, and I tell you what, I'm having a lot of fun right now trying to do that. So we shall see. Maybe we'll come back on here in a year's time. We'll talk about how we did it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a very, it seems like a noble aim, Justin. But I think the worry, as you rightly point out, is that we aim too low. You know, we aim for 5%, 10%. Aren't we doing well if we're doing 15%? But actually, those higher numbers, 60%, 70%, are definitely, as you point out, achievable. And, you know, if we aim high and we get to 40%, isn't that something? Yeah. Make couldn't, couldn't agree more. And yeah, it's, it's looking out of our own bubble, looking outside our own bubble. Okay, at our, our practice is at 20%. Mm-hmm. Rather than just strive for 25%, mm-hmm. speak to other practices, look at who's doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, read up on it and really strive to go to go beyond. Yeah, fantastic. That's really good advice, Justin. You know, you gave us some really valuable insights about the critical value, not just of marketing in general, but of health plans in, you know, practice health plans in particular. And I would encourage all our listeners to, uh, you know, to listen to the podcast because they'll take away some really valuable ideas and tips that we talked about. So once again, Justin, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Been a pleasure. Been great to chat.